You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi, welcome to our weekly update, Tuesday 23rd of April. I'm Gavin O'Carroll from AIB's Customer Treasury Services, located in AIB's new headquarters here in Moser Street, right in the heart of Dublin City Centre. Our Chief Economist, Oliver Mangan, is with me to take stock of where the Irish economy is at, and then we'll cross the Atlantic to run the slide wheel over the US economy. We're going to try not to speak much about Brexit here today. Ollie, updated forecasts in the last few weeks on the Irish economy have come out from various sources. Could you bring us through them, and what's your assessment of the Irish economy? Yes, uh, we've seen new forecasts from the Department of Finance, uh, the Central Bank, and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. And... They've all slightly scaled back their forecasts. I mean, modest downward revisions for 2019 and to some extent 2020. But basically, they're all agreed that the Irish economy will see another very strong performance this year, growth around 4, 4% and decelerating to around 3.5% in uh, 2020. Now, that is somewhat below the st- very strong growth rates we've seen in recent years. Um, the underlying growth rate of the Irish economy is put at close to 5% over the last three or four years. Uh, so we're seeing some deceleration to around 4%. Now, that's still a very impressive performance uh, in the context of, one, uh, a weaker international environment. We've seen the slowdown in growth in the UK and in the Eurozone in particular, which is our two main export markets. Uh, secondly, the ongoing uncertainty in relation to Brexit, which now looks like it'll last throughout the year. That has been holding back business investment uh, in recent times in particular. And thirdly, we've also got to realise we're reaching capacity constraints within the economy. The unemployment rate is down 5.5%. Uh, employment growth is not or is very likely to be as strong as in recent years. So all in all, you know, that, that is... Pretty impressive if the economy does deliver 4% growth this year and 3.5% next year. Customers and listeners are probably still munching in their Easter eggs after the weekend. But just looking back to, say, Christmas last year, in December, euro sterling, Ollie, was around 90p, uh, euro dollar in around 114. Um, here we are, like, the ranges, they're not dramatically wider. Like, we're down at 86 odds and 112 in euro dollar. Like, currency markets haven't been very reactive, and there hasn't been much volatility, considering everything that's gone on in quarter one. Yeah, you might have thought the dollar would have strengthened further, given that, uh, you know, the US economy has continued to outperform. US rates remain high relative to elsewhere. You know, the dollar did perform strongly between the spring and, and autumn of last year, but that rally has run out of steam. Now, th- there may be factors at work there. I mean, the, the dollar is at very high levels against most currencies, uh, so that might be limiting its upside potential. Uh, it's also the case that the dollar was boosted last year by repatriations of corporate profits to take advantage of the Trump tax cuts. Um so that repatriation of funds, that may be lessening this year, reducing the demand for the dollar. Uh, and it's also the case that the expectation is that the U.S. economy will slow in the coming year. Uh, and indeed, even though U.S. rates are high, um, market expectations for further increases in U.S. rates have evaporated. And now I actually think the market thinks that the U.S. The next move in U.S. rates will be downwards. The markets are actually pricing in two rate cuts for the start of next year and probably towards the end of 2020 or beginning of 2021. So those factors may be capping uh, the upside for the dollar. It's also the case that the, the market is gone, has gone very, very long the dollar in recent times. Now, that may be just an inflows into the high-yielding currency, major currency, which is the dollar. But when you look at market position, it's very short the euro uh, in particular. 
uh, and it's very long the dollar. And when you see that, it's hard for a currency to make further uh, headway. And with investors globally then not being able to go and actually find anywhere in the Western world that attractive in terms of interest rates, they're obviously looking for the stock markets in terms of the attractiveness. And European stock markets are relatively attractive, particularly compared to U.S., they are. Uh, I think the difficulty for other currencies in terms of, even though the market's long, the dollar is, other currencies have either negative or very low interest rates, uh, and that is holding them back. Uh, and we can see in the Eurozone uh, in particular, uh, but central banks generally have been guiding these economies that expectations in those economies that rates will start to rise, well, they've evaporated also. And the ECB in particular has been guiding the markets that we're actually going to keep these rates negative for a much longer period of time. So while the US economy is expected to lose momentum and you know the market's very long the dollar, there isn't the trigger there to see or spark a rally in other currencies against the dollar. Low interest currencies are being held back by expectations that central banks will keep the, those rates low for a long period of time. You, you mentioned stock markets, and they have performed exceptionally strongly year-to-date. Uh, I think there's a number of factors you can point to. One is um, you know, stock markets did lose ground in the final quarter of last year, so you know, they, they were at attractive levels at the start of the year, and they have rebounded. But for stock markets, I mean, the global economy is not tipping into recession. It, it, we are seeing slower growth, um, and... The decline in interest rates um, in particular and the fact that interest rates are going to remain low for an extended period of time has two benefits for stock markets. One is seen as positive for growth and secondly, it means a continuation of the very low interest rate environment, very low bond yields, making stock markets more attractive to investors. So hence, I think it, we ha- it's been many years since we've seen such a strong start to a calendar year for stock markets as we witnessed in 2019. Customers and markets uh, generally have taken a breather since before Easter, since the uh, news in the UK. So we, we, we just won't go there. But in terms, just to bring it back to the Irish economy again, because the US economy and the Irish economy are intertwined. Your Irish economy is certainly a bridge for US investment into Europe. And we know it ourselves as a bank in terms of Facebook are moving into our headquarters in Balls Bridge. And the amount of activity around the periphery of Dublin City Centre in terms of American operations and, and American headquarters of European uh, magnitude. It, it's, it's incredible, the interlinked nature. Considering the UK and Ireland is such a tight trading partner, Europe and Ireland such a tight trading partner, the US is critically, notwithstanding the Atlantic in between, a very tight trading partner with the Irish economy. It is. Well, it's very important for foreign direct investment and it's become a very important export market. But when we look at the indicators we have year to date, we're seeing broad-based strength across the economy. Now, admittedly, there are some signs of softness. Uh, new car sales are down, I think, about 10% year to date. Consumer confidence has certainly fallen, uh, but it's still at high levels. It's just off the extremely high levels. It's fallen from extremely high levels we saw last year. But when you look across the economy and the indicators we have, we're seeing broad-based strength. I mean... Core retail sales, which is retail sales excluding the motor trade, rose very strongly in January and February, despite that uncertainty around Brexit. Uh, When we look at the PMI indicators, the AIB PMI indicators for services manufacturing, okay, they've dropped back a bit from their high levels of 2017-2018, but compared to elsewhere, they remain at very strong levels and are pointing to continued good growth in those two important sectors of the economy. If you turn to the housing market and construction, again, the PMI subcomponent for house building is at very high levels. And we have re- registrations and commencements data for the first two months of the year. And they're showing a 40% increase in year-on-year terms 
uh, on from from your early levels. So that would indicate that the recovery and house building activity these are early indicators in terms of registration. I intend to build commencement. I'm starting to build. That points to an ongoing rise in house building activity both this year and into 2020. Uh, that's critical, at, isn't it? it? Yeah, that, that's very important. I mean, the, the, one of the, the one of the sectors which has been slow in this recovery, or which has lagged with the recovery in the Irish economy, has been the housing market and house building activity. But it is building; it is picking up. Now, I'm not saying we're accelerating too rapidly. We're, st- we're 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 on a path of a steady recovery from a low level in house building activity, and the indicators suggest that's going to continue. So we will see an increase in house building activity again this year. Uh, if you look at more broad-based indicators, as I said, the unemployment rate, I think it was at 5.7% in December. That's fallen to 5.4% by March. The live register, uh, I think a fall of close to 9,000 in the first three months of the year. The PMI indicators for construction, manufacturing and services are pointing to continued good growth and employment. We will have labour market data for the first quarter in another few weeks. I expect another solid increase in employment. If you look at the public finances, and they're a great indicator in terms of tax receipts, tax receipts in the first three months of the year rose by over 7%. And importantly, this broad-based strength there. We're not just relying on corporation tax receipts. Excise dues are strong. Uh, VAT receipts are strong and income tax data are strong as well. So all those indicators show uh, that the economy is performing well. It has lost some momentum, as I say, but that's not surprising. And if we can print a 4% growth rate for this year, given the external environment, given that it looks like Brexit will certainly be with us for the year, uh, that would be a very impressive performance by the economy. It certainly will, Ali. I mean, you've penned an article in the Irish Examiner uh, today, about the strong start for the Irish economy in 2019. And, you know, considering we're heading into the, the May-June stretch shortly, that's a critical stretch always in, in financial markets globally in terms of activity levels before the summer and critically, obviously, with the, the year ahead now in terms of Brexit's delays. It will be interesting just to see how, how things develop immediately after Easter. It will be. Uh, now, last week we had weak PMI data again for the Eurozone, which was disappointing. That was for April. Uh, I think what... Economists and traders and investors will be looking for to see it. we've gone through a slow patch now for two or three quarters in the global economy. It's not a recession, but it's been a marked slowdown in activity. Interest rates, long-term interest rates have fallen. Uh, stock markets have been strong. The earnings season has been good in the U.S., but we would like to see that translated in terms of uh, a reacceleration in economic growth in our main trading partners in quarter two and quarter three of this year. So we'll be looking closely at the indicators we see in the next number of months to see, uh, in particular, the trends in global growth. And I'm talking about China, I'm talking about the Eurozone, uh, the UK, and whether growth is continuing to hold up in the US. I mean, they are the critical economies, for both for Ireland and for the global markets. Thank you, Ollie. Ollie, thanks for your summation of where we're at. And thanks to you, our customers and listeners, for joining us on this, our weekly update. You're welcome to subscribe to AIB's Market Talk on iTunes or the podcast apps for iOS or Android. Until next week, enjoy the rest of the Easter holidays. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.